the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It was Coronation Day over the weekend. God save the king. And later, we're talking about some horrific news in our country. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. We're so thrilled that you're with us today. As always, if you've missed any of today's show or any shows in the past... We'd love to invite you to go back and catch up on our podcast. Wherever it is you stream those podcasts of yours, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We also love engaging with you on social media. We are at Common Good Talk on the various social media apps. Um, Brian, I want to talk about the big event over the weekend, Mm -hmm. Coronation Day. But before we do, there's a few news stories I I wanted to uh, tell you about. Did you hear about... This story, this is so crazy. A woman in Texas was abducted as a baby over 50 years ago. Do you see this? Yes. And she did, uh, her family members did one of those like 23andMe DNA tests and apparently found, you know, some connection to her. I'm sure the family thought that she was long past. Again, it had been 50 years ago that she was abducted. The family was, they found each other and were reunited. This woman, uh, Melissa Highsmith, disappeared from Fort Worth, Texas in 1971. She was 21 months old um, and was just reunited with her family. Can you imagine that? No, no. I can't imagine it at all. There's some pictures online of her, like, hugging family members, and it is... Woo! Deeply emotional. Like, I cannot even imagine people were saying that, like, the brother said, as soon as I looked at her, I knew she looked just like our mom. Like, that is, I mean, it's a devastatingly sad story. And yet, what a what an incredible, like, miraculous kind of recovery. It, Would you want to know? I don't, I don't know, I think so. to be I honest. I think so, but my first thought was, like, I, I would really want to know. Like, your life. But, like, if that was... I, I think as the abductee, it would be really hard to know. But you had to have a sense of like foreboding or trauma your whole life. And of course, as the family, I would desperately want to know. So, yeah. gosh, yeah. so crazy. All right. Another interesting story. My seventh grader was tracking with this because his civ- civics class was covering this story. Did you hear about Ed Sheeran's like court case finally came to a close? He's been in a copyright ca- um copyright like lawsuit for a long time essentially um you know the song let's get it on by marvin gay which i don't know if we can talk about on the radio but um <laughs> already did they, <laughs> just did their gay's co-writer argued that ed sheeran warner music and sony basically owed them money for copyright infringement because of oh. one of uh one of ed sheeran's songs that sounds similarly like it but apparently, you know, judge decided or court decided that 
Ed was not guilty. And my son was tracking this. It was so interesting. He was like, Mom, there are four chords in music and you can play them differently but some people do use the same chords and is that a copyright is that plagiarism like he was really really into it but that was kind of interesting apparently ed sheeran has a musicologist go through all of his songs now because this is not the first time he's been accused of plagiarizing or or copywriting stealing somebody's copyright so anyway that was kind of an interesting story crazy but I, it, now, it is weird go ahead. How music, music all sounds the same of it. Like it does. I mean, how how many? I mean, I'm not a musician, but how many variations on the same like right, chords right. and melodies can you make? Right. Nothing new under the sun, as the scripture <laughs> says. All right, but now for the crowning event of the weekend. <laughs> but uh, you've been waiting. Yep, King Charles coronated. Officially sitting in that throne with his gold robe, holding his staff, I guess, and being St. Edward's crown being placed on him. Lots of pomp and circumstance over the weekend. It was pretty amazing. Did you watch it, Brian, or did you see clips of it or anything? I forgot that it was even going on, but I woke up Saturday morning early as I do, and I turned on SportsCenter, and the TV was on. All of a sudden, I was like, oh, it's that day. And so it's I had some of it on in the background. Um, it, it is like on, on the one hand, you're like, oh, pomp and circumstance. It's fun. It's this and that. And the other hand, you're like, this is really weird. The, <laughs> and the, the gold this and the uh, the crowns. Like to see people in crowns nowadays, it's just a it, – It is a weird. little like jarring because we just don't – I mean especially in America, like – we just don't have that type of formality. We certainly don't have that type of royalty. And so you're right. There is something about like the crowns and the robes and even like, I don't know the right word. Is he holding a staff? Is he holding something? Like we're just so American. But I think that's why it's so fascinating. It was fun to watch just because it was so formal and it was fun to watch the whole city. I, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I streamed it and kind of like buzzed through to parts that I wanted. It yeah. was amazing to watch all of London like decked out in their red, white, and blue and their British flag outfits. And I don't. I think that would have been really fun to just sort of be there, say you were there when it happened. But it is kind of interesting how historic it feels in 2023. Mm. You know, like it is just wild to see a coronation of this size and this, um, I don't know, this much weight, like in our day and age. It's very, very interesting. I'm guessing you didn't see, see, you and I look at different things. Right, right. uh, There was the, the, the like, uh, not conspiracy theory, but it was flying around the internet. Did you see the really weird looking guy at the, uh, he was there in the church, so he had, like, glasses and, like, a big mustache that looked fake and hair. Like, he probably was a very normal dude, but, like, it looked like a really bad disguise on somebody. Oh, funny. No, and I didn't then see it, that. it blew up that people were guessing that it was Meghan Markle. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh man! Laugh. Well, I was going to ask laugh. you if you had any Meghan Markle or Prince Harry feelings uh, from the weekend at all. I felt sad for I know. them. You forget that they're just a family, right? Yeah, like, well, totally. they're not just a family. They're weird. Um, right. But all the family dynamics get laid bare. So even yeah. like Prince, uh, King Charles now, 
I was telling you off air, like there's a video now going around <laughs> of him just yet, like he looking like he's so angry. Right, and, like, right. And stuff he was saying in his like carriage, the gold carriage. Like, Dude, you're in a gold carriage. Like, let's yeah. just simmer down here. But I mean, Prince Harry, everyone else is all decked out. I and know, this and is he's the there just in his like, right. It's the he, life he's, he's chosen. He's chosen this, but he flew in. He sat in the third row, like with like yeah. He's other with like the people. uncles, right? And he has on like a military suit and medals, but not right. a robe and a crown and all of this. And, then, and notably, Meghan Markle was not there. Chose not to go, which people mm-hmm. were happy about in England. So it's not like to send up like this, this all like that focus. Yeah. And then it ended, and he flew home immediately for his yeah. son's birthday party. And you're like. Like, I, this is the life he chose, mm-hmm. and in response, this is what the royal family decided. Like, it's all normal. Like, but it's it shouldn't sad. have been different, but it was sad. You're like, yeah. he should be up there hugging his dad. And he should be up there hugging his dad and saying congratulations. And his parents should be welcoming, and Archie should be there. They should be having the family birthday party the day after the coronation. Like, there's just a lot of... A lot of heartbreak there. I'm curious. You were saying Carrie was reading. Your wife Carrie was reading Harry's biography over or autobiography over the weekend. I'm kind of curious how I'll feel after I read that. How yeah, I feel we about had some Harry? Interesting talks. I, you know, I I told her I I've got feelings about Meghan Markle and Harry that are probably unfair. Yeah, but I gave her my whole spiel of like. If you left England to get away from the paparazzi and to Why get away from in? attention, if your whole stated reason was we don't want to be under a microscope, then maybe starting Netflix things and doing this and going to Laker games and stuff isn't the best way. But, hey, to each their own. So uh, it was interesting. And yeah. It, you know. I didn't leave there going, wow, I wish we had more pomp and circumstance over here. I, was like, <laughs> I did. Well, I definitely did. I was like, I want a coronation to have it. I want them to go on a world tour. Coronation, world tour. Come to the States. I'm buying tickets. I think well, Brian, so oh, disappointed. Ahead. I think we, you would be really disappointed if you spent time around the royal family because <clears throat> I'm convinced they're all really weird. <laughs> I don't know how you don't live in that bubble with that much money, that detached, no yeah. real role, all this yeah. stuff. Wearing crowns and I don't know how you live like that without being super strange. I'll Just bet like you they are unrelatable. So weird. Yeah, they're yes. probably yeah. That's probably true. I, down to earth may not be the right no. uh, ad, no. uh, adjective to describe them. Well, Brian, coming up next, there's another Christian leader. Uh, stories coming out about uh, him abusing boys. We will talk about that when we return. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. We have another difficult story to talk about, abuse scandal in the church. But before we do, we want to share some good news with you. An invitation coming up uh, for this Friday. Brian, go ahead and tell everybody. That's right. Judson University is celebrating their annual prayer breakfast on Friday, May the 12th. As you said, that's this Friday. The breakfast will be held on Judson's campus from 730 until uh, 930 a.m. So you can join local business leaders and members of the community to hear from motivational speaker uh, Sichi Demerikova. For a chance to win a pair of tickets, visit 1160hope.com. Use the keyword prayer. Again, 1160hope.com, keyword prayer. Nice. That's going to be a great, great event. Um, Okay, not great events, Brian. There's not a great way to segue into this, but I, I don't know if you'll remember this guy. Kevin and I were really impacted by his ministry early on in our marriage 
His name is Mike Pilavachi. I didn't He's know the him. Founder. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know if you remember, like, in our early ministry days, Matt Redman, huge, like, worship leader, Tim Hughes, um, a few others that came out of uh, England okay. and were part of something called Soul Survival, which was a Christian youth festival. I think it was 1993 to 2019 in England. Okay. So gotcha. UK Christian youth festival launched a lot of popular Christian artists at the time. And Kevin and I heard Mike speak at our church. We used to go to the Vineyard Church in Evanston when we were first married and heard him speak. And just, we were both like, I mean, completely floored by how he shared the gospel. It was so powerful. And so we began to follow him. We had a Matt Redman song at our wedding. Like we were, you know, we were followers, I would say. This guy influenced us. This ministry influenced us, even though we were, you know, in the United States. But apparently, Brian, and I kind of missed this, but I stumbled upon it. He pastored a church, so he launched Soul Survival, this um, this music festival in England, but he also pastored Soul Survivor Watford Church. Okay. And apparently some news has come out that back in the day, he abused young men in his care. The report says bullying them, giving them full body massages, pressuring mm-hmm. them to engage in extended wrestling matches. Last month, Mike Pilavachi quit Soul Survivor, stepped back from ministry at church after the Church of England announced that it has a national safeguarding team um, investigating him. Matt Redman came out and basically commended. This is how I heard the story. I saw Matt Redman on Instagram basically saying that he was deeply impacted by the recent reports concerning Mike Pilavachi and Soul Survivor. Having spent some of my formative years in that environment, I felt it was important to acknowledge these news stories. Most of all, I want to commend those who are hurting and who have so courageously stepped forward. So he's obviously believing the victims and not Mm -hmm. doing the thing we've seen done in the past where you stand with a guy who is allegedly doing it. So I appreciate that. Um, apparently Julie Royce reached out to Redmond to ask if he had participated in the investigation. Matt Redmond responded. He didn't want to make any further statements at this point, but it, Brian, this was just another, like <laughs> we, you know, we talked about this earlier with the news about Scott Sauls. This yeah. is different because this is horrific sexual abuse. And yet I still was like, are you kidding me? Like, it's just these tragic stories coming into the light. And it's not just in the evangelical church. It's all over the place. And yet every time we hear a story, there's a part of me, Brian, and we're going to talk later about the shooting in Dallas. There's a part of me that's doing two things like I do with shootings, not another one. And kind of scroll on. And then this other part of me that's like, this is so devastating. I am growing jaded and cynical and I'm so tired of it. What in the world is going on? What is going on? What is going on? Yeah. You read stories like this and you're like, well, of course now people have lost trust in the church. Of course they have. Makes it frustrating. I do think it's a step in the right direction that people like Matt Redman and others uh, have put their weight behind those who are making allegations. Yes. Usually – Usually in these types of things, people rally to the figurehead. To the, they they the do until we find out the figurehead was terrible. So I do appreciate that instinct so, to rally so behind we the victim. That little ray yeah. of light, I suppose. But That's in general, true, right? Aubrey, it is what we talked about with Scott Sauls earlier. 
uh, obviously a different circumstance, but yeah. a little bit of the same result of needing to step down and whatever else things come into light. Uh, it's this. I I understand why people look at the church and are like, why would I ever be a part of that? Why would I trust people? Like, do I understand why people have trust issues for the church. Do you remember a decade or two ago? Um, <clears throat> There were so many – see, follow me here. There were so many uh, sexual abuse stories out of the Catholic Church with Catholic priests that it got to the point that you just wrongfully – but you just kind of assumed every Catholic was totally. Catholic priest was guilty yes. uh, yeah. before innocent. Yeah, and it almost became a joke. Like it was almost like it went from these horrific news stories to like, oh, yeah, the Catholic Church. Ha, 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 right. ha, ha. Yeah. And so it almost feels like – we're getting or have gotten to that point mm. with the evangelical church. It's not just the evangelical church. You know, the Anglican church has had yeah, their issues. Yeah. The Catholic church continues mm-hmm. to have their issues. So maybe mm-hmm. I should just use the phrase church in the general. Church. Yeah. It feels like it's expanded to all churches where I think people are justified. Yeah, totally. I don't think they're right, totally. but I think they're justified to go. Why would I ever be a part of that? Why would I ever trust yeah. a leader? Why would right. I ever... Look at all the carnage around us. I think right. we feel that as leaders, like people going, okay, what, what the heck's the point? Because it happens over – what's the uh, old thing about insanity, right? Insanity yeah. is uh, do, doing the same thing over Expecting and over again, believing it will be a different result. Yeah. That's where it feels like we are right now, and, and it's frustrating because you and I are pastors and mm-hmm. your husband's a pastor, and mm-hmm. we want to be like, no, we're not all like this. Right. But I understand why people are – think that we're all like this because story after story after story. Yeah. And I I think it's like, in one sense, it's also a clarion call for those of us who are in pastoral ministry and aren't doing this. Like I I feel a seriousness to stay the course Mm -hmm. and like, Mm -hmm. don't go the left or the right. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like this, I don't know. There is some wild stuff at stake right now when it comes to church leadership and it comes to the gospel and it comes to, um, Christian community that those of us who are not in scandalous situations like this, we better make sure we never are, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, let's not become so arrogant to think that we're now, this is a gross story, so I'm not trying to, but let's make sure that we are not even close to something this egregious because there's so, I mean, there's, there's a mantle that you wear as a pastor that I think pastors need to take more seriously. And, but this, I don't know. I don't know. This story is just, I don't know. It's gross. It's heartbreaking. It's sad. It's devastating. It's the victims. I'm so sorry for them. Here's another trusted guy that took advantage. I mean, it's just makes you want to vomit, Brian. It does make you, I'm going to ask the question that is completely unanswerable. Like, yeah, I, this is where I just feel naive. And like, I look at stories like this and go, how did a scumbag like that, A, get in the ministry in the first place and B, get such a following? And I know people are shaking their heads going, that's the problem. And it's always, yeah. but I just always am like, yeah. Like what a dirt bag! How well, did he end up with the following? Well, and apparently this was like a known kind of a known thing. Like he had oh, really? Mike, Mike's boys or Mikey's <clears throat> favorites, and was sort of this known thing that he would invite his interns up that were eighteen or nineteen years old and give them these full body massages. And I mean, we don't need to so go into weird. the details, but so like, so weird. Uh, yeah. So how? 
how? And I guess it is the unanswerable question, but we can't stop asking it because there's got to be a new way. And I know the other part is to continue to elevate stories of just like the faithful pastors that aren't perfect, but are doing the best they can and they're loving (laughs) Jesus and like, they're not abusing people. Like we, we got to celebrate those stories, even as we tell these really hard stories. Oh, all right, Brian. Well, coming up next, more violence in our country and in churches around the world. We're going to talk about those hard stories when we come back. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, we've got hard news that we're covering, devastating news. We'll do something fun when we return. But I did not want to miss talking about this horrific shooting At a Texas mall yesterday, a gunman opened fire at a crowded mall north of Dallas, killing at least eight people, wounding seven others. Apparently, the shooting was the second deadliest in the United States this year. Um, Apparently, the guy acted alone. I don't know if he's been caught yet, Brian. I haven't heard that. Oh, he was killed. killed. Oh, a police officer killed him, didn't he? Or a security guard killed him. That's right. That's right. He was killed. It's such a horrific story. And, you know, know. you keep doing these stories, but it was so horrific for the loss of life. Like, that's the horror. But then there was a lot lot of video shot as well of the aftermath, but also like not of the shooting, but of him getting out of his car. There was a dash cam or whatever. And it, it heightens just the... Uh, the randomness of it. The guy just got out and started shooting at a mall. And Aubrey, I don't know. I don't want to be melodramatic or make it about us because it's about the eight person who lost their lives. And just yeah. it was horrific. Uh, yeah, awful. This isn't my personality, but it's getting to the point where you're like, when is somebody I love going to Tot- face something no, like this. I like know. The, it just yes. feels like a numbers game now, I know. doesn't it? It just feels yes. a bit like a numbers game. It does. And that's, you know, I, as I send my kids out to school each morning, I'm like praying prayers of protection over them because there is this part of me that's like, what happens when it's their school? Or when we go to the movies as a family, what happens if we're the ones in the theater? And I mean, these people are at a shopping mall in suburban Dallas. Like, uh, there, I'm with you, Brian. Like I don't, I'm not of this personality. I don't tend to live very afraid. And yet, more and more and more, I'm with you. I'm like, well, what if you're just in the wrong place at the wrong time at any moment? And that should be enough to stop this stuff in its tracks. And I, yeah. I know there's not ever a total solution for bad guys, but there has to be more to be done than what's being done and it, it it's starting to get very strange like i feel like this was one of those things people would sort of brag about america that we didn't have to live afraid we could go places in public and not worry and we could you know we're not like other nations and i don't think that can be part of our honest conversation anymore about what it's like to live in the united states of america yeah it's just weird because i know people might be thinking, oh, you're being so dramatic. I understand the chances of us ending up in a shooting are minuscule. Like, I get it. Like, I'm not suggesting like, oh, 50-50 chance when you leave your house today. Right. It's minuscule. It's just the feeling of like Mm -hmm. the normalcy and the frequency and the publicity of it, right? We also hear about these things more. Yeah. 
And uh, like the nor- the normalcy of the places, like a place like a, a shopping mall yeah, yeah. in the suburbs, like you just, I don't know, schools, like those are places where this absolute, I mean, it should never happen, but like, like you're standing outside of a Forever 21, it's the last thing you're thinking about. Yeah. So the, the randomness of shootings, the things going on in our cities that seem increasingly lawless, like there just is so much where you're mm. like, the world fears, feels more dangerous now. And it might not be, yeah. it might be, but it just feels that way yeah uh and i think when it comes to you and i have talked a lot about like i don't have the first answers about the gun debate what i do fear happening right now is much like with everything in our politics everyone's just being driven to the polls and so Mm. and by polls i mean p-o-l-e-s yeah yeah polarizing those who want gun control are like we must ban all guns and do it all and those who are like second amendment this that are like don't ever even mention anything that could help curb this and we're like we're getting to the point if we're not already there where no real conversation can happen and therefore yeah you might be right and so Mm. um most of all though that is just a horrific again some of the pictures that came out of there and i this is a conversation for another day the people there was a twitter movement this weekend that was showing the videos and pictures of like the aftermath and you're like they were like hey no change will come unless people really see what happens in these and i'm like yeah what are your thoughts on that because there's a part of me that understands that argument and that desire like we need to see the reality of it so it changes but then like but these precious people have moms and dads and sisters and kids and like i don't know i just don't feel like it's our right to do that that's it i suppose if a family of of one of these people who is senselessly killed by gun violence wants to broadcast what it did to their loved one like that's on them yeah Uh, the same way right famously emmett till's mom famously had the open casket so they could see what had happened she had the right to do that yeah i just don't think it is up to the random person who happens to be there to shoot a video and upload it to Twitter. Yeah. Like that feels like that's not their right. Like that is too personal. So that's where I would land on that. If, if somebody wants to say they killed my son or daughter and I want the world to see what that looked like, Mm -hmm. that would be horrific. And I don't want to see it, but you can understand it. You absolutely can. That's why they have the, the, yeah, they have the, the right, the place to do that. Brian, uh, in other parts of the world, you know, more violence, Apparently, over the weekend, Christianity Today posted this story. Um, some mobs came in to Christian churches in northeastern India, killed six people, burned down 25 churches Dang. in the northeastern wow. Indian state of Manipur. And apparently, since May 3rd, thousands of victims, the majority of them Christians, have fled their homes and businesses have gone up in flames it's just it feels like what you were saying is true all over the world i you might be right it may not be more violent it seems more violent or not just here in the states but around the world i i think i wanted to bring up these hard stories to kind of get back to the difficult question we have to wrestle with is like where's god in all Mm. of it because that's i think where a lot of people land that question of the odyssey god where are you when violent evil people are ruling and reigning and it seems like things are getting more and more dangerous what's the pastoral answer to that brian yeah i think i think the obvious plot to point people to is the book of acts like look at what Mm. happened to the church there and god was there he was in the midst working doing amazing things um 
And so I, I think I'd start there. And then just a reminder that um, God has, in Jesus Christ, has won the victory, but we're kind of in this already, not yet. And But there is coming a day mm-hmm. where the church is victorious, where these types of things don't happen. But in the, in the now, uh, Jesus promises to be present and still active. His church is still moving, is still doing unbelievable things, but there is evil pushing against it. I think this is a good versus evil, a light versus darkness thing that we just have to be honest about, about the world that we live in. It's interesting. I I had a conversation recently with someone who, you know, really, really, really um, strong believer in the sovereignty of God, which I am too, but their theology led leads them to believe that God even causes things like this. Like Mm. this is part of God's plan. And I just can't, get there. Like I, I am not comfortable saying God causes evil and death. Like I believe God redeems all things and God is crowned victor over death. Like God dances on death's grave, but I just, anything that leads to death, I am very uncomfortable saying that that yeah. is connected to God. I think that is, I think you're right. This is a battle of good and evil and we cling to our faith that Jesus will be victorious one day. But in the meantime, we're just like, watching and waiting and trusting God is still at work in this and is going to work all things for his good, our good, his glory. But it doesn't mean that they are good now. And I think it's okay to wrestle with that. I really do. Agreed. Agreed. Mm. All right, Brian. Well, coming up next, we're going to take a, take a light hearted turn and talk about a question (laughs) that was posed on social media. I want us to dream a little bit. If we weren't pastors, what would we be doing with our lives? We'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. We've had some heavy stories to cover. If you've missed any of them, we'd invite you to go back and catch up on our podcast. But we also like to end the show bringing you some laughter or some encouragement or some good news. I saw somebody named Angie Ward. She's a doctor, um, a professor at Nor- uh, Denver Seminary. Okay. And she's also an author. Uh, she posted this question of the week. If I wasn't a blank... I'd want to be a blank. And she said if she wasn't a leader, teacher, author, she would want to be a comedy or speech writer. I thought it might be fun for us to post this on our social media at Common Good Talk. Hear from our listeners. If you weren't whatever you are now, what would you want to be? But Brian, do you have thoughts about that? If you weren't a pastor, what would your dream career be? And there's got to be a little realism to this, right? Like, I can't say if I wasn't a pastor, I'd want to be the starting shortstop for the Mets. Yeah, like, let's, was... like, that's a good point. Let's put some parameters around, like, sure, if I wasn't a pastor, I'd want to be, like, a famous movie star. Like, let's put right. it, put it, put some parameters around, like, what would you have actually pursued if you didn't take this path? You'd want to be a an English princess. <laughs> <laughs> At the coronation over the weekend. <laughs> uh, I would say if I wasn't a pastor... Uh, I would want to be a sports broadcaster. I would Ooh, want to yeah. be... Now, that's a yeah. terribly difficult job to get, right? Like, for everyone, yeah. there's probably a lot that doesn't. But, hey, this is our opportunity to dream. I think I would want to uh, either be somebody who's talking about sports or literally doing games. Like, I did that in college. I did games. Yeah. Now, yeah. that'd be tough travel and this and that, but that'd be really fun. I remember there being just a cool energy even getting to do that back in the day. Uh, so that's what I'm choosing. I would want to be, uh, I would want you to be, because since you watch so much sports, when you're turning on your TV, 
uh, to watch <laughs> some NFL game or some MLB game, you're like, oh, that's that's, that's my old my radio thumb. I knew there him back in the day before he became a famous sports announcer. There yeah, that would, would you want like um. Again, forgive me. I don't know a lot about sports, but my categories are those guys on ESPN that sit at that like oval shaped or half circle desk and they're like debating. They're like sports pundits. Would you want that? Yeah. Or would you want like you've got your own sports radio show and you're like unpacking the game. You're like, now he's at the 50 yard line and blah, 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 blah. That kind of thing. Like what would be your or would you want to be at the game itself? And like announcing the game. Yeah. Yeah. What would be your category? So, um, for my family, I would think the answer would be <laughs> I'd want to be in one place where you're just talking about sports, whether it be a, you've got a sports radio show or you're yeah. like on ESPN or whatever. Yeah. In reality, if we're playing out the dream here, I'd want to be a play-by-play guy at okay. the game. Okay. So not talking about the game, literally doing the game. Hey, oh, gotcha. Drop back to pass, blah, blah, blah. Like that. Gotcha. I think that would be energizing and fun. Uh, the travel would be terrible. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's what I would be. And what sports would you want to do? Like what would be your top sport you'd be covering? Baseball. I think yeah. Baseball. Although that's the longest season. But you just base. I love baseball. So probably second and you would know, be and can I ask some more like ignorant sports questions? You know enough about sports that you could be like, here's exactly what happened in each moment. Because if it were me, I'd be like, oh, the guy hit the ball and now he's running. He here he goes. He's running fast. Like I wouldn't so, be like, and then he hit the yard line. I would. I would equate this to. Since we're playing in Dream World here, yes, yes. For you to understand better, if if they had a. Uh, a pay, play-by-play announcer talking about the Marvel, the next Marvel movie. Uh, watching it and commenting, you'd be like, "I know what's going on." Yes, fully yes. I could. I don't have the skills to do it. I have the knowledge to do it. Yes. Yeah. yeah sports, okay. Uh, you, you have on, the so. language. You know the sports language. You know it. Percent. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Too much so in my life. How about you? <laughs> Answer the question. Think, Which, what are you doing? I think. Okay, again, we're like putting real life lenses on it, right? I think yep. I would um sometimes I think I would have been a good therapist. Oh, and interesting. Sometimes I think I would have enjoyed being like a like some type of professor. You know, a, a literature writing bible like so, like in a college setting, I think I would have enjoyed teaching undergrads or teaching at some level. So still sort of in like a teaching communication world. But just in a different sphere, I, I think I would. It's funny, like I think I would still be writing, but probably just in a different way, you know. So some of it is like carryover from who I am now and what I do now, but just sort of in a different, different realm or something. If it was like the fantasy, I think I've told you before. I always thought it'd be really fun to be the person who puts soundtracks together for music for movies. <laughs> like I would love creating soundtracks, but that's I don't know anything about music. So that's like that's <laughs> a dream scenario. But I yeah, I think in real life like I would have gone on, gotten my, you know, PhD and been teaching English lit or Bible or, or, or something like that. I would have loved to actually have been a, uh, there's a world I should say where, where I could see myself out of college having gone the teaching route. Yeah. 
So you're going to see the sports influence here in my life. Having gone the teacher route with the desire to coach. Coach. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so uh, I could have seen a world where I was like a high school whatever teacher. Yeah. Coaching two of the sports kind of on yeah. campus. That was yeah. A, totally. I, that would have been a fun world to live yeah. in. I actually told my son the other day. I was like, I could see you doing that. Uh, and yeah, I guess the first part of that, that should be the teaching part. Like you should be drawn to teaching, but sometimes <laughs> you, you just want to coach. Sometimes it feels like the act of like being in the school and teaching and connecting. And this that is the way into then also coaching. And this. yeah, I that's, think, that's true. I think coaches are so good. Coaches are just so impressive. They uh, are so impressive and they, they make a lasting, um, influence right and the people that they coach right like to be fun to be around sports and games and this would you ever have wanted again we're going a little dream scenario but ever have wanted to be a professional sports coach well i mean if we're totally going in the dream world sure that would have been fun uh because uh it would be yeah that would be great like i never had the ability to like play the sports yeah so coaching i think i could do it and being yeah. a pro gosh that'd be fun now obviously that's all encompassing and very hard to have a family so uh i I'm have surprised a, um, you didn't say i surprised you didn't say you'd want to be a fiction writer well i did say a writer <laughs> of some kind so i i definitely think i would have been writing fiction or writing for a paper like there would have there certainly would have been writing in my life I've never really gone into the the fiction world as a writer because I feel like you have to you have to be really creative and I feel like the dialogue I would write would be like hello how are you sir I'm good how are you like I people who can move stories along with conversation in fiction is so impressive to me as a skill set and I don't have that, but maybe in a yep. dream world, again, if we're dreaming. Okay, so go on our social media, on our Facebook, and answer the question of the week. If I wasn't a blank, I would want to be a blank. Related to career, let us know. We want to hear all of the dream scenarios out there. Brian and I will be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.